Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. This episode is sponsored by Minima.Global and Circle. This is The Hash Podcast. Stay informed with the latest on Bitcoin, ETH, the metaverse, Web3, and more with stories that matter to the crypto world, all on The Hash for your ears. You're listening to The Coindesk Podcast Network. Hello, good morning. Welcome back to The Hash. It's a beautiful Tuesday. We got Wendy O and Adam B. Levine. Adam, you're starting us off for the day. What you got? Thanks, Will. So today we kick things off with a whole lot of hope and change, or at least with traders hoping for change from a U.S. central bank, which has so far raised its core interest rates at the fastest pace since the 1980s. So far this year, we've seen the Federal Reserve raise rates a whopping 3%, which might not sound like much, but considering we kicked off the year with that important number at less than one quarter of one percentage point, that means so far in 2022, the rate is up 11 times from where we started. And it's expected to continue rising, with mainstream economists expecting the rate to top out next year at nearly 5%. So if the official story is true, then we're more than halfway into a historically painful period for risk assets across the spectrum, including Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies. But can the Federal Reserve be trusted to follow through? That's the big question on traders' minds right now. And as we move into the midterm elections, we've seen big bank analysts and central bank whispers, so-called, suggesting things might be less bad than expected, which seems to have kicked off some gains in risk assets battered after what has been a very challenging trading year. The question is, of course, will the optimism last? And is it grounded in anything real or is it just wishful thinking? Wendy, I'll kick this one over to you first. What do you think? (laughs) Since we just had a conversation about money right before we went live. Also, happy to be here. Shout out to everybody watching. Happy Taco Tuesday. Please support your local small taco shops. And, 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 let's get into this. So do I trust what's happening with the Federal Reserve? What's happening with money? What's happening with interest rates? I don't trust at all. I don't trust people that pay $150,000 for a piece of paper to tell me what to do with my money. I can manage my household just fine. But that being said, there is opportunities for retail traders and crypto traders to make some small gains while this happens. However, I do think that we will eventually have some sort of collapse, not necessarily saying that we're going to see exactly what we saw in 2008. It is election season. People do need to keep up appearances during these times. But things are scary. Things are scary. I do appreciate all these reports from the people with the $150,000 pieces of paper. But at the same time, I do like to take a step back and look at what's actually happening in inner city neighborhoods. Look what's happening in my local community. Last night was Halloween in my neighborhood and there was barely any kids out or, or adults out or people out. 
I went out this weekend in LA for a Halloween celebration. There was no one out there. That seems to tell me that a lot of people are staying home. They're not spending. They can't afford gas. They can't afford to buy candy. They can't afford costumes, all of those things. I know that might not matter to some of those people with those big brains, but to me, it does. If I'm not seeing retail, if I'm not seeing average consumers spend money or put money out into the economy, it tells me that we're in big, 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 big trouble. However, again, you can definitely go ahead and capitalize on these short-term gains. So for the people that are actively trading, but for people and average citizens in the United States, that's not really looking good for us any way, shape or form. Will, your thoughts. Yeah, I'll pick it up from here. There's a great quote in this article, I think summarizes everything really well. This is from a Bank of America strategist and included in the Coindesk article that we're referencing here. It says, the Fed isn't done hiking until the data says so. Core CPI is at cycle highs. U3 unemployment is at cycle lows. Corporate tells us their top of challenge is hiring. China and the US are decoupling. Capital expenditure is rising. Food and energy are increasingly scarce. Inflationary pressures seem broad-based and increasingly entrenched. Short-term survey inflation expectations have risen. The Fed's job is not done yet. And I think that summarizes all the challenges that the Fed is working through right now. We have these very weird things where inflation is still very high, but people are not quitting their jobs. People are actually hiring still. A lot of people did not expect that. And the Fed has to balance those two things, right? They want, actually want to drop the number of people in jobs right now with expectation that inflation would lower because of that. And their key thing to like take on is inflation. We're still at 8% plus inflation year over year, and they can't have a working central bank with that kind of inflation number. So that's what they're up against. And these numbers are not great. Onto the risk assets, like you talked about there, Adam, a second ago. Last month was interesting. Bitcoin was up 5%, Ethereum up 17% for the month. And we'll get to Dogecoin in the next story, also up month over month. Weird to see those pump, but also at the same time, we're seeing like the Fed sort of pivot a little bit, which is giving traders and other people in capital markets uh, a little bit less concern, right? So they are talking about moving all the way to 5% interest rates. Well, they might back off a little bit. Now expectations are 4.8%. And that might not seem like a lot, only a 0.2% difference, but it actually sort of is. It sort of says, hey, there's some changes coming to the Fed's perspective. We might go under that target rate of 5% everyone's been talking about. And the next challenges will be, does the Fed continue to raise? And if it does continue to raise, is there going to be a point where they stick the landing and just stay pat? And once you sort of have a good interest rate, then everyone can work with that, right? Over the last six, nine months, the most challenging part for every business has been the cost of borrowing money has been going up every single month. And it's very hard to plan with that, right? I'm going to the bank one month and they're saying 5% interest. The next month they say 10% interest. How do I make a good business decision? So if the Fed can stick this landing, then I think we'll see a better landscape for assets out there, including Bitcoin, or at least that's the hope. And I think that's why we're seeing a lot of that being priced into the market. Adam, I'll hand it over to you for final thoughts. So, Yeah. So I think that again, like what you just uh, what you just said there is a really good summary of kind of what the, the mainline narrative is right now around all of this stuff. I think the reality is a little bit more complicated. First off, when it comes to central banks, this is effectively a confidence game. Right. So it doesn't really matter where the rates are as far as what the central bank is trying to achieve. What they really want is they want people to stop taking gigantic risks, which they very much have incentivized over the last dozen years for them to take. They basically made it the only sane trading strategy. And now they're trying to unwind that because the consequences of that, along with propping up markets, effectively putting their, their thumb on the scale and trying to make it so that markets are up only, which they succeeded at for quite some time, 
has now caused the overproduction of money, which has now led to all of these different inflation problems. The biggest problem with inflation is actually around expectations, right? It's not what are prices doing today? It's what do people think prices will do tomorrow? The other thing is, is that the inflation rate is, again, tied to the kind of jobless rate. And again, all of these numbers are so totally massaged. I won't even get into that right now. But the challenge, uh, so I read an article the other day talking about how, talking about how, although unemployment is quite low, productivity has shrunk by more than really any time over the last 20 years over the course of the last year, which means that people are showing up for work, but they're not actually doing stuff that is productive. That's a big problem because a lot of these things really require, again, for inflation to kind of for new money going into a system to be useful, the productivity has to rise in accord with that. And we're seeing kind of the opposite against all of these things. So it's a very complicated situation. But the one thing that we know is that these people actually don't know what they're doing. They're making it up as they go along. They're not good at their jobs. And unfortunately for all of us, that has become increasingly unignorable in a world that is just awash with bad decisions at the highest levels of leadership. Wendy? I kind of just want to close this off and talk about when you said the word productivity. When we're talking about that, we also have to, because I come, I have a healthcare background. I worked in infectious disease, HIV, AIDS for seven years before I did the crypto stuff. We need to take a look at what just happened the last two years. We're in this big panorama. A lot of people's morale, were, morale was absolutely destroyed. It had a really big impact on our kids. It had a big impact on society. People are not, human beings are not meant to be confined to an area. And we see this with people that have been, that have done a long time in prison or they've been captured or they've been, when, when they've, you know, become free, they have a hard time kind of adapting back into society. So I think that's something important to note is that the American people or people that are going back in the workforce are not having an easy time segueing back in. I don't have the statistics with me, but I think that's something that does need to be accounted for in productivity because Americans are just not able to produce the way that they were prior to the panorama. And I just wanted, I felt that that was important to, to give to the conversation. Totally, totally. Let's talk more about more risky assets. So let's talk about Dogecoin, which is back in the news. Elon Musk, he did something. He took over Twitter and now Dogecoin is pumping. It's up over 100% for the month of October, which is uh, pretty notable. Pretty cool to see Dogecoin back in the news cycle. Feels like 2021 again. Dogecoin, of, co of course, is like a meme token. It doesn't really mean much out there besides, hey, I want to trade it. I want to get liquidated when I play with derivatives or I just want to play it on Robinhood. That's what it's there for. <laughs> uh, now we might see some integrations into Twitter in the future. People are kind of speculating about that. We got a nice tweet from Elon with a Shiba Inu, the token dog of the token currency, if you will. And that made it onto his Twitter feed yesterday and sparking a little more rumors about what Dogecoin could mean for the Twitter ecosystem. Wendy, I want to throw this one over to you. This meme will never die. I think we'll probably be talking about it a year from now and then five years from now and so on. I think that it's exciting. I'm excited to see people be able to make money, especially retail traders, especially people with not a lot of capital. This is what crypto is about. It's about fun. It's about making money, but it's also about taking profits and practicing risk management. So if you're somebody who's invested in Dogecoin, I highly recommend you take a look at your trading or investing plan and you know, maybe consider taking some profits. It's always good to take profits and not get caught holding the bag. So this is good news for, I think, Web3 in general that Elon Musk has taken over Twitter. As far as Dogecoin goes, it, is, it did start off as a meme token, but it's kind of looking like it does potentially have some sort of utility other than just doing P2P transactions. So it's exciting. It's fun. We don't know what the future holds. 
this definitely is not giving me 2021, 2020 vibes because we are in a full blown bear market and just kind of going sideways. I think we're at like 140 plus days. I don't think that we're going to see... I feel like the next run we're going to see is going to be driven by NFTs. But at the same time, have fun, play the markets and please don't use leverage. There's no need to use leverage. <laughs> no, leverage long Dogecoin. Yeah, <laughs> that's good advice. Yeah, I mean, money is a meme, right? So like when you look at something like Dogecoin, it's kind of like the purest expression, right? Of like a lot of things that really drive these types of things. Like we dress up, you know, the US dollar with all kinds of fancy symbols. You know, we put all sorts of things on it that say that, hey, you can trust this definitely because you can always exchange $1 for another dollar, which is what the yeah, the notes actually say these days. It used to be gold. <laughs> but like, whether you're talking about a gold-backed system or you're talking about you know, a Dogecoin-backed system, ultimately the question is, do people find affinity to it? Do people believe it will be more useful tomorrow than it is today, or at least the equivalent amount of useful? And that's really what kind of drives a lot of this stuff. So it's definitely, again, you know, like since Elon Musk jumped on the Dogecoin train, I guess a couple of years ago at this point, you know, it's been an interesting ride. And I think I've had very mixed feelings about it. I still have very mixed feelings about Elon Musk in general. I think that very, very powerful people are very dangerous. But I also think that they're disconnected from a lot of society's expectations in ways that certainly if they, you know, decide to go against the grain, that can be really useful. And it's really hard to go against consensus in kind of this day and age, where even saying something innocuous, but in slightly the wrong way can result in social media mobs that can wind up basically costing you your job, your livelihood, and everything you've spent a lot of time building. As somebody who's not very active on any of these places, it's something I spend a lot of time considering, or at least used to. These days, I think that, again, like it's, it's mostly just interesting to kind of watch how all this stuff is developing and to see kind of what happens if the monopoly gets broken, not just on money, but on something like conversation, on discussion. I think there's a lot to be said about that. I think Dogecoin winds up being an important part of that discussion just because of, again, its kind of history, one of the earliest tokens, the first meme coin, and then also it's increasing tie to Twitter, which is a very important platform, even if it is quite small relative to some of the other majors. Wendy, back to you. This is kind of trivial, but do you guys believe that Elon Musk has a crypto Twitter anonymous alt account? Of course. <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> I don't think he needs one. I, like I think he does busy. whatever he wants with his own account. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I kind of feel like I feel like he's got that personality where if he's not doing like a million things at one time, he's probably like having an absolute epic meltdown because I'm the same way, too. And I just kind of feel that he thinks it's funny, especially when you have that much money and that much power. I feel like some of these sometimes these people, they like to kind of pretend that they're not this big person with all this money and power. And they'll kind of interact with all the people that are poor like myself. So I don't know. I think that that's (laughs) okay. Kind of like a Snoop Dogg uh, moment there where he had this anonymous Twitter account or reportedly. So here's a big question. What's the most important thing about crypto? It's not transactions per second. It's not convenience. And it's not even smart contracts. It's decentralization to achieve censorship resistance so we can all be free. Minima is a new layer one blockchain designed to run in full on a smartphone so that anyone can participate in building Minima's decentralized network as an equal. Join over 300,000 Minima node runners on the incentive program today to start earning Minima every day until mainnet launch. Get started at Minima.global.
This episode is brought to you by Circle, the sole issuer of USDC and a leader in crypto that's held to a higher standard. USDC is a fast, safe, and efficient way to send money around the globe. USDC is always redeemable one-to-one for US dollars and has over $45 billion in circulation as of October 13th, 2022. Plus, Circle posts weekly reserve reports and monthly attestations of reserve capital, letting users know that USDC is safe, transparent, and compliant with regulations. Just go to circle.com backslash transparency to see why USDC is a trusted stablecoin. But let's move on to the next subject. Talk about NFTs and Immovable X. Wendy, over to you. I'm excited about this, guys. And the reason why I'm excited about it is because I am very, very confident that the next bull run will be brought in by NFTs. And this is kind of an epic story that GameStop NFT Marketplace goes live on blockchain Immutable X. Do I like Immutable X? I'm kind of indifferent about it, but it's really cool to see that how GameStop has evolved from this product, their service that wasn't really doing well, was going to completely go away. And then they had that whole Wall Street bets thing that happened. Then they're like, you know what? We love the power of crypto. We love the ethos. We're going to merge over into the blockchain world. But apparently the platform launched finally and, it, and the partnership was announced back in February and GameStop partnership part, participated in a $500 million fund with investment grants from NFT game creators Immutable X. But the NFT platform has been operating in public beta since July. And there's quite a few games on there that are pretty, pretty exciting. I would love to get Will's take on this. Are you excited about Immutable X and GameStop? Are you for the people or are you just like, I don't care. I think this is just a bunch of coot nanny. Yeah, I mean, GameStop is known for being a brick and mortar shop where no one goes. And now they've pivoted into a digital marketplace where nobody goes. So that's sort of my entire opinion on it at this point. Like there's not that much going on in NFTs. It's a bear market. A lot of these corporations took forever to get their NFT marketplaces launched. Forever to get their NFT marketplaces launched. Took forever for them to build scaling solutions that were workable. So it was actually cheap to use them in the first place. And the reason for that is because the tech has not been there quite yet. And honestly, some of the tech is still not there and won't be there until the next bull cycle. That's often how these things happen, right? You have a launch, everyone gets hyped over a product, and then you find out that the product doesn't quite work the way you've marketed it or the way you want it to work, the way you intended it to work. And then everyone loses interest. All the token prices go back down. We have another bear market with a lot of builders out there. And I think that's what we're going into with the NFT marketplaces. I think they all need like a little consolidation and a little time to work on their product before going back. That's what we're seeing when we look at all these NFT marketplaces. There's the race to the bottom with fees, getting rid of royalties, adding new integrations. I think that's what we're going to see for a little bit going forward. As for the GameStop news, I don't know. I'm a little bearish on GameStop. I think they've just been rotating from meme to meme ever since that Wall Street bets moment they had a few years ago. Adam, I'm going to throw it over to you. Get your take on the story. Yeah, I actually completely agree with you on the rotating from meme to meme thing. But I'd like to, I'd like to put together a false equivalency here and just uh, compare for a second kind of what GameStop is doing to what Facebook has been doing, what Meta has been doing, what sort of the metaverse, right? These are both companies that had core business lines that are very different from the thing that they're working on right now. And I think the, con- the con- contrast between the two is, is quite interesting insofar as that you know, GameStop came into this moment very, very weak. Uh, as you said, it's notorious for being a brick and mortar store where nobody goes in an age of sort of digital delivery and stuff like that. 
when I moved up to Oregon, I got, you know, 500 megabit per second internet. And it's like, wow, I'm never going to a store again. But I did recently, actually, to finally pick up a PlayStation <laughs> 5 because I couldn't find it anywhere else. And so I went and I finally picked one up after like a year and a half after it came out. So that was my first time going to GameStop in a long time. But contrast that against, uh, you know, against what we've seen out of Meta, who are making a very long term, very speculative bet on this kind of amorphous concept that we call the metaverse. And again, like it's not to say that metaverse won't be a thing, but it is to say that so far it's not much of a thing. Most of the biggest projects that are out there don't really have many people who are using them. And if you look around, there are just probably, I mean, there's got to be more than a thousand different metaverse platforms at this point and technologies in one form or fashion that exists to serve a space that doesn't really exist yet. It reminds me a lot of virtual reality, which of course is another component of the metaverse. I've been an early adopter of all these technologies. Typically, that's a pretty lonely experience. Aren't a lot of people there in this stuff because it just doesn't make sense for normal people yet. So again, like GameStop made a much safer bet here by going after something that was clearly trendy and clearly that there was money for, and that was what they needed. And so again, like I think that that bet is serving them a lot better then, you know, the 75, 72%, whatever kind of loss Facebook has so far, Meta has so far logged, you know, since they embarked on this path, coming from a real high point in their, you know, platform and in their just power and just diminishing all of that so rapidly, making this bet on something that might wind up to make them, you know, rich geniuses or they might wind up being, you know, dumb idiots. And uh, right now it's looking a lot more like the dumb idiot thing. Wendy? But really considering the current landscape of the economy, like we're in this recession, people don't necessarily have additional income to spend on this stuff. Like what other option did GameStop have? Like they're a brick and mortar store. Nobody is going into brick and mortar stores. And we came out of the panorama. Nobody was supposed to be out for like two years or whatever it was. So really, what other option did they have? They could have shut down shop or they could have, you know, gone out there and fight. And I think that's what they're doing. As far as yeah. Facebook goes, Meta go merging over to Meta, same with them. Like people are starting to wake up to what is actually happening on social media about the terms of services. We have this big platform like TikTok that has completely taken so much of that market share from Facebook. And I feel like a lot of these companies did essentially have to pivot to keep afloat. And if Facebook didn't make this bet or this jump over into the metaverse, where else would they have gone? Like they are it just it's an absolutely terrible platform. There's a lot of censorship. They steal your data. And I don't know. Will, your thoughts? Okay, I'm going to take one shot at you before we end the show here. I think Immutable X and GameStop, we know it's a meme story because of what GameStop did. Once they got this token allocation for Immutable X, they actually dumped most of it for $47 million. This was back in February. <laughs> and they were the dumpers. They like sold all the token allocations they had for Immutable X and then continued working on the partnership. They sold the highs on everyone else in the market. So it's like, eh, you know, if you're, that's your project, then why are you dumping on the tokens? Uh, shouldn't you be holding those in the hopes of building out your ecosystem and using those tokens for allocations, for grants? But we didn't see that, right? And so that sort of action only implies to me that they were in it for the memes. They were in it for the rotation. They were in it to bump up their stock price even. That was a very possible reason to have some sort of NFT integration. We've seen a lot of that over the years where company that's listed on a public exchange like the NASDAQ will go and work with some sort of blockchain technology or other application out there, increase its stock, and then cash out a little bit, give itself a little bit more cushion. So yes, we don't really know what the alternatives were for business lines for GameStop. But at the same time, this one didn't really seem like anything. And eh, the markets are kind of close for NFTs at this point in the market. Uh, Wendy, I'll give it back to you right before we close though, in case you have any departing words. 
the only departing word after you after you completely annihilated me verbally um, would be that we don't know <laughs> we don't know exactly what the contract said, and that's an important thing. Is in crypto, we're so quick to say, "Oh, you dumped, or you did this, or you did that." But in all actuality, there are contracts, there are things that are being put into play legally. So maybe they were allowed, or maybe that was the agreement. Hey, if you partner with us, if you do X, Y, and Z, you are allowed to sell these tokens at however you want to. We haven't seen that contract, so I don't like to jump to conclusions until after seeing that stuff. Adam, I'm going to give it to you for either final thoughts or to close us out. Yeah, so I, I don't need to see the contract. All of the stories that we've talked about today, almost everything that we talk about on this show in general, it's all about money or it's all about power. And this time, it's definitely all about the money. <laughs> Back to you, Will. Definitely looked like it was about the money in this instance. But, you know, that's crypto. That's how it goes. That's why we're all here. But we'll wrap up there. That's Windio, Adam B. Levine on the show on The Hash today. Beautiful Tuesday. If you enjoyed watching this, you might like the podcast version even more. Listen to it again. Check us out on the Coindesk Podcast Network. I'm Will Foxley. Thanks for watching The Hash with us today. We'll see you two later this week. You've been listening to The Hash on the Coindesk Podcast Network. We would like to hear from you. So if you have any questions or comments, please reach out to us at podcasts at coindesk.com, subject line, the hash, or leave us a review on your favorite podcast player. Thanks for listening. Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, They'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader.